Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you with us. My name is Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, and uh, this is episode number 133 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, A Brain Science Approach to Parenting, where, for the most part, we answer your questions using brain science research and, of course, a lot of uh, insight that we have both have being dads for a lot of years. And so we're, we're so glad to have you with us today. We've got another really good listener question. Uh, if you ever have a question for us, you can go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there is a place there to submit questions. And we do get to them as soon as we can. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that these uh, questions are always really helpful uh, because if you're asking the question, probably many parents are asking that very same question. They might ask it in a different way, but the gist of the question is always a really good one. And we've got another really good question for you today. Uh, Michael and I are uh, so glad that we can uh, bring these podcasts to you because of the support of our sponsors. And one of those sponsors is our longtime friend, Dr. Greg Jantz. And uh, Greg is the director of the Center of Place of Hope, which is a care facility up in the uh, Seattle, Washington area, where they deal with all kinds of different issues from depression, eating disorders, anxiety. And Greg has a number of books on all of those topics. And so if you go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, you'll find a link to the Center Place of Hope. You'll also find a link to our good friends at the Forge School. And Michael has had a chance to be there recently. So Michael, tell us a little bit about what you experienced there. Yeah, wonderful staff, wonderful grounds, 55 acres on a river, uh, adventure therapy-based. It's residential treatment. So for boys 14 to 17, teen boys who are having issues, who've, who've had issues in school, who are having uh, mental health, emotional health issues. Um, and it's a it's a safe place for them to go with a really wonderful team. Um, uh, so the Forge School, I, I was there. I'm actually headed back there uh, in a month or two, I think next month. And I was there in November and uh, working with them and just, you know, just a great, if you have a 14 or 17 year old, 14 to 17 year old, or you know one uh, who's having a lot of trouble, uh, look, look it up, look up the Forge School. Very, very good. Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we usually do our shows around questions and we have a question today that's actually a follow-up to a podcast that we did uh, some time ago on family dinners. And this is a rather long question because the writer has done a nice job of filling in some of the blanks for us. Uh, so it makes the question unique to her family. But I think uh, when you take uh, a look a little bit higher up, uh, you know, maybe from the airplane, you see that there are things that we can all learn from. So I'm going to read the whole question just to give context. And um, then we'll let Michael uh, begin to, to tease out some things. Um, she says, I have uh, read two of Michael's books, The Wonder of Girls and The Wonder of Boys, and have a third in the queue, Saving Our Sons. I just found The Wonder of Parenting podcast, thoroughly enjoying it. Thank you for your time and energy, and uh, well, we're glad that you listen. Your October 2018 podcast, Reclaiming the Power of Family Dinners, had an underlying assumption which I would respectfully like to challenge. The assumption is that boys, men are comfortable in that setting. I wouldn't take the time to challenge this assumption if it wasn't a sore spot for me and my family and if we didn't sincerely need help addressing it. So that's kind of the, the gist of the question. That's the big picture. So now let's get a little background from her. Uh, I grew up in a household of a large, loud, and lively family, and dinners had, were held every single night. We expressed gratitude for our meal, connected with each other, did our best to clean our plate, 
and needed permission to be excused. My husband's upbringing was very different from mine. Their family meals occurred most often when guests were visiting and they were uncomfortable, the, the meals were uncomfortable, quiet and forceful. He was forced to eat everything on his plate and would, could not be excused. In our lifetime together of over 25 years, I have foregone the experience at dinner time that I desire uh, where there is a connection which contributes to a sense of belonging to me. For over 25 years, I cook almost every night and we eat in front of the TV, uh, which I don't think is probably strange for a lot of families these days, by the way, my insight. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, mentioning eating out at a restaurant increases my husband's anxiety to the point where I cave in almost every time. I don't want to cause such angst. In the five or so times a year that we eat in a restaurant, my husband calms his discomfort by using his cell phone a lot so he can be doing something productive while we wait for our food. I have several friends whose husbands are the same way, are not comfortable eating out or with groups, and it's always the men, not the women. My husband is fine getting food to go as long as we can go back and sit in front of the TV and eat. To me, the TV prevents us from connecting, and I dread it, but it keeps him happy. It's his time to unwind. I gave my husband plenty of notice as we were trying to conceive. When we have a child, it's important for me that we eat together at the table and connect. I miss connecting, and I want our son to be able to enjoy meals with others in business, in life, and not to be overly anxious about it. So our son recently turned one, and we are seeing his preferences start to emerge. He prefers to walk around, grab a bite of something, play a bit, and come back for another bite. Strapping him to a height chair buys us 10 to 15 minutes before he is too tired of being restrained, uh, regardless that he is still hungry. He wants out, and he wants to get down. My husband's comment is, see, boys, men, were not meant to sit and eat at a table. It's torture. And now he is backing out of family dinners. I don't know what to do. So questions are, boys, boys are active, and ours especially so. Uh, are they too active to be expected to sit for dinner? What are some techniques for boys and men to tolerate and eventually enjoy family meal time? How can I reduce the anxiety around this important family time for my husband and ensure it doesn't take hold for our son? Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Wow. All right. As always, a lot of really good stuff there, Michael. So where do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. You're going to need to help me. There were so many questions in that. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to look it. at, yeah, I'm going to look at some of them, but I, I'm going to, and then pause and you have to ask me the others. I mean, I, I've been, rev I've reviewed the, reviewed this a number of times um, in preparation to answer and really thought a lot about this um, as I do with all of the questions that people send. And, and, you know, there's, there's just enough information in this for me to think that I'm understanding something which is that I think he has an anxiety disorder. The husband. Um, the husband, yeah. I yep. think he has an anxiety disorder. And uh, so the first thing I would say is that if the per if this family is listening, to check that out um, and see if he does, because there can be medication, there can be ways to help him. Um, uh, then next thing I would say is, and so if he does have an anxiety disorder, sorry, I should have finished that thought, then it's possible that that the presenting fact, which is the not eating dinner together, that some of that is related, you know, to the anxiety disorder, especially because he gets anxious if he goes to a restaurant. Um, and if he doesn't have an anxiety disorder, he he is incredibly what we popularly call shy or incredibly introverted. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's causing anxiety. So it could be a combination. 
and and if I could just jump in here, yeah, it ahead. sounds it sounds like um, some of that anxiety may have just been created around the family meals that his family didn't have or did have. It sounds like they were not great experiences for him. Yeah, I hear that. I, I you're you're right. I mean, I definitely read that in this that he he um, they were uncomfortable, and maybe there was a very authoritarian parent who was mm-hmm. saying, like she describes, you can't you know get up. You got to finish everything, and then that causes anxiety. And you know, the thing is, it's very possible that that parent had an anxiety disorder. You know, sure. I mean, it's it's this stuff is so genetic, and then um, comes forward. So. I think all of those things are operative. So the baseline is let's try to figure out his anxiety. And then yep. now, in terms of then getting more toward the family dinners, the um, uh, I feel that that the trauma, if it's anxiety, let's say it's both anxiety disorder and trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay, the extent to which it is trauma, uh, he, I think he also needs to see someone. And he needs to work this out as trauma. In other words, he has to become a trauma informed uh, father, a trauma-informed spouse, um, because, and so the third thing I would say is because the incentive to work this through, to figure out if he needs help for anxiety, to figure out if he has been traumatized and he needs help uh, healing the trauma, the incentive is the coming of the child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the initial incentive might be coupling, um, uh, let's say, but they coupled 25 years ago and and they are in a routine so he, so the other parts of their relationship are working, right? They've been together 25 years. So, so something's working here, right? It's good. Yep. Something's yep. good about this relationship. So there wasn't incentive for him back then, let's say, to try to work on this. But, um, but now he has a child. And so I think this is a new, new incentive. And I would put this in the category of, of duty. I mean, I think it's his duty uh, as a man, as an adult, as a husband, as a father, I think he has to, to some extent, look at this as duty, that it, it is my duty to get this worked out um, so that I don't pass this on to my child, right? Just like all of us who come from trauma, you know, we don't want to pass it on to our children. So we have to get help. Uh, so I think he ought to get help. And so obviously, I'm saying all of this, having already begged the question, I'm already assuming that yes, it is good to have family meals together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's enough. I mean, for, there's a lot of science around it. And we, you and I presented some of that way back, whenever that was, right, two years ago, that, that, that family meals together are an incredibly valuable ritual. They're a valuable spiritual ritual. They're a valuable physical ritual because you, you're controlling the good stuff your kids are eating. They're a valuable... Um, uh, emotional ritual because of the bonding. Um, uh, they're a valuable, intel- a valuable intellectual and educational ritual because family dinners are sometimes a time when you find out what your kids are doing in school and how that works. And so family dinners are crucial. And um, raising another child to sit and watch TV while eating dinner, I think is going to harm that child. And I think it's, so again, I think this is a duty. And I think this wife, this wife, mom, I just got to congratulate her and tell her, you know, how, how I hope he values her because she has adapted to this and she's not getting the connection she needs. She has given up some connection and she must be getting it somewhere else. I mean, she must be with him because they've been 
25 years together. Maybe they're, they get it maybe through sex. Maybe he shows it through sex, which is, sometimes can happen in situations like this. The bonding or, or the other ways he takes care of her. So, you know, the, I, I'd want to say anything like, oh, your relationship's in trouble. I'm not saying that. Some things are going well. But also, she gave up a lot. And, um, and now that she has a child, she doesn't want to give that up. And I think she shouldn't have to give it up. So I think he needs to get help. And maybe they can go through couples counseling if that helps. But I think he needs to go through some sort of counseling and get some help with the anxiety uh, so that he specifically doesn't pass it on. Because that would be, you know, she's okay. She's adapted and she's okay. But I would hate to see this pass down, passed on to this child so quickly. Um, I know there was more, but that's what comes to me. Ask me more. <laughs> okay. So, so you know, we, we've started sort of specifically with some of the challenges that this particular family faces. So let's broaden it a little bit now uh, and look at some of the, the generalizations that um, she makes, which I think are uh, fair generalizations, at least as we would observe things. Um, I think there are a lot of families today who have just gotten into the habit of watching TV uh, rather than eat together without screens and, and TV. And uh, there is something, she, she said something in there um, about um, men uh, wanting to watch TV because it gives them a break. And, mm-hmm. and you, I know you've talked about this before, sort of that brain break that guys tend to need because by the time the day is done, they've gotten to the end of the day, they may have used up a lot of their words. Um, and yet, um, that's not, that's not the time for a man to take the the mental break, right? Right. That's what um, I would say. Yeah. So, so, um, what are some things that um, that that couples can do to uh, make that mealtime a bit more engaging? I, I'm maybe I should start here. Is there any brain science to say that it's harder for men to sit at the table for a meal than than women? This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Oh, I don't, uh, I mean, I think if it's, a, if it's a long sitting there and lots of chatting and so on, men do zone out. You know, I mean, it's just, they hit the rest state quickly what we call the rest state or the boredom state and that's a neural thing um you're absolutely right about that um and when i speak people can see i show brain scans and you can see it's obvious how different the male and female brain are uh when they're in a rest state or a boredom state females are completely active males are blank so so i would say that we can support saying that um support saying two things number one in response to what you said, yes, males do need, males often need 
to recharge by going into that rest state in the evening. And we don't know his work schedule, but let's say he's working until five, let's say. And so he may need from five to six, five to five thirty, five to five forty-five, something. He may need that TV watching time. Because TV watching, we may think it's active, but when our brain's in a rest state, what, what the TV's really doing is providing color and and sound and it's allowing our brain to zone out. So he may need that. If he's getting it, let's say his workday is at five, ends at five, and then they're eating dinner, the error may be, and this is strategic now, families can use this, the error in, in this family may be that he that they're eating dinner at five. Um, and and better would be eat dinner at six, have him zone out between five and six, and then they have family meal time at six. So that would take out the rest state. And you're right, she said that. She said he likes to zone out in front of the TV. Okay, so then that would take that out. So now we've dealt with that. So he he his body and brain uh, should not need to zone out now during the family dinner. Will he want the family dinner to be less lengthy than she does? Probably. And they can meet in the middle. They can find that, that middle mm -hmm. ground. Um, uh, but part of why, you know, why I think he's he's missing opportunity in this is that she's cooking these dinners right i mean she's giving her soul to these mm -hmm. dinners and he is missing an opportunity to value her and um and if he can take his rest date from let's say five and six and they can eat at six then you know he can value her and he can value the child and they can connect and they can do highlights of your day of course the one-year-old's still too young but um, oh, and I want to say, by the way, it's not, that is not unusual. In fact, that's pretty good that that one-year-old will sit for 10 <laughs> yeah, to 15 long. minutes yeah. in that high chair. Yeah, I want to congratulate, you know, he is an active boy. I'm sorry, I've just gone on a tangent, but I want to say it. He is an active boy, yes, yep. but she should be congratulated and she should be, I think, very happy that he is sitting there for 10 to 15 minutes. And so that leads me to the timing. Okay, let's say that the way they start this is they're now going to have family dinners at six for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. that's fine. You know, they can start at 15 minutes. And no, there would be no science saying that a guy can't sit for 15 minutes and have family dinner. No, I would never try to extrapolate that from brain science because because uh, guys kind of love family dinner. I mean, anyone can love family dinner and you can end up making it into a ritual, uh, male or female, anyone can make it into a ritual that serves you. So he just needs to find way he needs to get some help and then they find a way where this ritual actually serves him where he also gets to talk about his accomplishments um where he gets to voice the good things that have happened in his day and um show how well he performed today you know everyone gets a chance to talk at family dinner and so it can serve him and it can serve the bonding and it can be separated from the zoning out that is really helpful. I, I, I had that very same thought to to uh, maybe begin by saying, all right, let's just set the timer. We'll set a timer for 10 minutes. And if we sit in silence for 10 minutes, we sit in silence for 10 minutes, but let's be together for 10 minutes and then maybe stretch it 15, 20. Um, man, I, I know when we've done Thanksgiving meals, we've spent uh, six, seven hours cooking the meal and we're done eating it in five minutes. So right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the length of time to eat. It's, it's being together. And, um, you know, for, 
for uh, her maybe to sort of set her own expectations of starting out, that, that there's something in her husband's life that, that has um, ruined family dinners for him, whatever that is, however we want to say that, mm-hmm. and that he's going to have to relearn some things. Um, and so he's not probably going to sit down at the table the first time and have a family meal and, and pour out his heart and soul to her first time around. He might, um, but he may just sit quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're together. I know that uh, Jan and I, we've been married 42 years now, and most of our family meals, which is just the two of us, we can eat, we can sit at the table for 20 minutes and not say a word to each other. Mm-hmm. But but we just sit in the silence, and you know we 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 know each other. We we kind of know what's going on in the day, and we don't have any problem just sitting in the silence. But we're being together, and then mm-hmm. sometimes we'll just talk and talk and talk. But but those are sort of I think the ebbs and flows of real life as well for people, um, and uh, and and so to allow for times of quiet and times of talking. Uh, seems to me that 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 would help her expectations, and then somehow, what what are some things she could say to him to lower his anxiety as they start having family meals? Well, one thing I think I think is to get him to you know to just suggest for for a week, let's mm. sit together for dinner, have dinner together, let's sit together, we'll do it for fifteen minutes, and no no devices. Let's do because fifteen minutes isn't very much. Let's right. do no devices. And and let's just test out, you know, what actually would happen uh, for you, honey, you husband. What actually would happen? Um, so let's let's try it, you know. And this would hopefully be in tandem with some therapy or counseling for him. Uh, but let's try it out because there it might experientially show him. I think she has to experientially show him that it's not going to cause him harm. Uh, you know, if, if this is wrapped up in an anxiety issue for him, then his brain is, you know, constantly ruminating, right, that it's going to cause him harm. If he does this, so he attaches to the device, then it distracts him enough that he won't feel the harm. But if she, right. it, it, you know, and this is all happening inside his brain, because externally, there's no harm to him, right? It's all inside an anxiety issue. So, so what she can do is help um, uh, set the ritual up, a reasonable ritual, as you said, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, start for 10 maybe if you have to, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, base the ritual on the child. The child can sit for 15 minutes. So let's follow the child, you know. Uh, and so let's do 15 minutes, no devices. We're together, even if we're silent, and our child just kind of, you know, talks, silly one-year-old talk. That's it. Let's try that for a week, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of maybe some of the help that he's going to need from her um, to help him see that that this is an anxiety issue and that no harm will come to him. Uh, I would I think that's the best she can do in terms of calming him. I don't I don't think there's any tip. I mean, I don't think there's anything she's going to know him better than you and I are. So she already knows what calms him. Right. And so whatever those things are, she should keep doing those things. Um but I think he's going to need an experiential, a week of experience, showing him that it does not that he doesn't have to fear it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm going to guess that a number of our families listening right now would have similar situations where they have gotten into the habit of eating TV or, or eating meals around the TV, and that to say, uh, you know what, we're we're going to start a new habit. And we're not going to have screens. We're not going to have TV. We're not going to have phones. Everything is off. That the kids are going to be kicking and screaming about that. 
parents might be kicking and screaming as well. It's, well, how are we supposed to eat with no TV on? So similar um, advice for them as well. You start with a week. Let's try it for a week, and these are the parameters. 15 minutes, sit at the table, and... Um, and, and maybe, I know this is, you said this over and over again, maybe one conversation starter is what's one good thing that happened to you today? Yeah. Uh, and try it out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope. That's what I, and try it out. So, right. A lot of families are stuck in this same trap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the highlight of your day. What did you do today? You know, um, that, yes, that's a great conversation starter. And then if no one says anything, the person who asked the question, which might be mom, you know, she talks about what she did today, you know, and then they're eating while she's talking. And then the baton is passed and the new habit is set up that everyone is going to say something. So everyone's going to say something that doesn't kill you, you know, to say something, son or daughter or husband or wife. It does, you know, this is our new ritual. I'm the parent. I'm setting this new ritual. This is what has to happen, right? And the and you will not have any devices at the table. And I'm the parent, right? I'm the authority. This yeah. is what will happen. So don't argue with me about it. This is what is going to happen. And yes, they'll argue, of course. But then a week, a week will go by, two weeks will go by, and these kids will start loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, they and we've seen this over and over again with parents who cut out from their children's lives, cut out devices an hour a day uh, at the dinner table, at breakfast, you know, where where, um, these experiments are done, citizen science experiments are done in homes. Um, And there's articles about them all over the internet so people can read about people's experiences. And yet a week two goes by and after two weeks, the kids are just much happier and they start to feel much happier. And initially, all their initial complaints, you know, the parent luckily held their authority and did not give in to the complaints about, oh, I won't be talking to my friends or I'm going to miss something or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the parent just says, nope, sorry, don't care. Uh, This is what we're going to do. And two weeks later, the kids are hugging the parent and saying, thank you. Um, I'm less anxious. I'm less depressed. They're not using this language, but that's what it is. I'm I'm less... um, I actually feel now less disconnected. I feel more connected, uh, you know, et cetera. So we have talked about this in previous podcasts, but I think it's always worth mentioning here that the parent may simply need to hold the authority and make this 15-minute ritual happen. So in that scenario, which I think is fantastic, do you build in a treat night where every Friday night we're going to sit down with pizza and watch a movie together? Or do you say we're going to just always eat our meals together um, because we want to keep that habit, but after the meal on Friday, we'll have popcorn or dessert and watch TV? What's what's the better way to go, or does it depend on the family? I think it depends on the family. Those are both great suggestions. To some extent, it's going to depend on what are the schedules of these parents and these kids um, based on, like, once the kids are teens, are they in sports and all of that? And so realistically, right. how many nights a week? Can yep. you have family dinner? Yeah, good point. And if, uh, yeah, and if if the kids are younger and you can have, and both parents are, are home in time and the zone out has happened and everything's good, right? You can have it every, you know, five days a week, let's say, then, then oh, okay, great. Then Saturday is a perfect night for, um, like what you just described, you know, for pizza and movie. Um, uh, you could eat the pizza in front of the movie or or you could have the movie after that that the p- parents could 
develop themselves. Um, if if um, you only actually have two or three nights a week when you can be together, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you know I, I would think twice about the third night being this ritual of sitting in front of the TV. That's not enough. I'd like to get all three nights just to be together with no TV. But if you got five or six, sure, absolutely. Great, great idea. Well, what you're talking about here really, though, is so important for uh, the brains of our kids, uh, for building communication skills, for staying connected relationally. Um, that family meal, as we talked about uh, you know, a couple of years ago, is one of the key ways that we build health into our kids, not only by trying to feed them healthy food, but healthy conversation, healthy human connection. And um, so this is this is really more than just forcing kids to eat with mom and dad, right? This is really yeah. about helping to nurture something healthy in our in the brains of our sons and daughters. Yeah, and that's why the science on it is so good because uh, it is it is creating health, and um, you can measure that, right? We can measure health outcomes, uh, mental and and physical health outcomes from having uh, five nights a week family dinner together. Mm-hmm. It's measurable. So you're absolutely right. Yep, it's a it's a health factor, and especially remember without the devices, those right, it's crucial. Right. It's crucial that at at some point very soon these family dinners are happening without the devices, which means the parents can't have the devices at the table either. Right, everything's got to be turned off. Yep, it Good does. Advice. It does. And if COVID has taught us anything, maybe it's experientially. By that, I mean the lockdowns, you know, where we're all in our mm-hmm. homes. Maybe it has experientially helped some families to see how important it is to shut off the devices because we've had to be on the devices all day, right, for school and for, for work. So I don't know, maybe, you know, it's showing people, well, let's shut them off. That's a good thing to shut them off together. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's true, but I'm hoping so. Well, Michael, as always, thank you. And uh, to the mom who wrote us, thank you very, very much. It's mm-hmm. such a good question. And, and um, uh, we hope for all of you who are wrestling with these issues of screen and eating and family time that this has been helpful for you. Uh, again, you can go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. There you will find resources that we've created for you. You will find links to our sponsors. And you will find that submission form to ask your questions, and we'd be happy to entertain your question. Uh, So please send that to us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please let your friends know about it. Michael, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Tim. And And thanks to this uh, question. Yeah, and thanks, everyone. This was quite a question. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And thanks, everyone. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.